Welcome to the Down the Drive podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Mike Schneid, and you can check out articles for myself, Clayton Truder, and Phil Meefer on downthedrive.com. Follow us on Twitter at downthedrive and Instagram at downthedriveuc for all of your Cincinnati Bearcats athletic content. And make sure, if you haven't already, to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Let's make Down the Drive the biggest Bearcats site out there. Make it the top podcast. And if you don't think it is, I'd love to hear feedback from you of how we can do it better and how we can improve. So this episode, we're going to split this into two segments. We'll do some basketball first. Bearcats are one and one. We'll recap their first week, uh, followed by a little bit of football. And first, as we get into basketball, and before we jump into UC specifically, I introduce you to my partner, Scotty Whitehouse, who is from Evansville, Indiana, and has stated on this podcast before his disdain, for lack of a better word, Kentucky Athletics. So Tuesday day, it was kind of a big deal for you, no? Yes, it was. Thank you for having me on, as always. And, uh, I mean, think about this. My hometown, my dad's alma mater, actually, and my least favorite sports, not even my least favorite college basketball team, my least favorite sports program of all time. And you cannot write a better way to go into this college basketball season. I uh, texted one of my friends who's a UK guy and said, there's three things about Evansville. One, it's my hometown. Two, it's got the second largest street festival in the United States. Now, a lot of people know about that fall oh, festival. You gotta go. The number one is Mardi Gras. So it's right behind Mardi Gras. And number three, it has a university that has an undefeated record, unlike Kentucky. <laughs> and he was like, it's way too soon, way too soon, but unbelievable. Uh, I was stoked. I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't make this stuff up. Cal Perry doesn't want to play IU, so he gets another Indiana school, and they knock him off. You cannot make that up. It's just so pure and perfect. I loved it. Loved every minute of it. And you have, if I'm not mistaken, you've met the coach, correct? Yeah, I, I don't. I want to. I want to get into Cincy. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but yeah, real quick, my story is: five years ago, I met Walter Makati. He's a Boston guy. That's why I say it like that. Yep. Uh, someone introduced me to him at this event, and. I immediately went into nerd mode. I basically recited his Wikipedia page off the top of my head. He was drafted by the Knicks. Uh, so I just, I knew everything about him from that. And I'm like, oh yeah, you were one of three first round picks in 96. You were picked here. You were a Louisville assistant coach. And I remember sitting in the student section in like 2008 and 2009 yelling at him when he was a Louisville assistant. And he just looked at me and like grabbed me on the shoulder and was like, dude, you need to get a life. And he was just cracking up that I knew all this stuff about him. So super pumped for, for Walter and, and for Evansville. And it's a big win for them. They're in the Missouri Valley Conference. And, you know, another team that plays in that conference is Drake. Cincinnati, of course, beat Drake on Monday, 81-59. And, you know, I think this is a big win because Drake went 24-10 and 10 last year. This is not your typical pushover at a conference opponent that we're used to seeing. Uh, it was the first one of the John Brandon era, so obviously very exciting for that. So, Scotty, why don't you start us off here? Break it down for me, man. We're one and one. The loss to Ohio State, the win against Drake. How are you feeling after one week? So, uh, let's talk about the Ohio State game real quick. And I did a quick, uh, you know, immediate instant reaction to it the, the, the morning uh, after. Um Two or three more shots fall, and that game completely changes. And I will say, I 
me and I was at the Drake game. Um, that offense still had the exact same looks as it did against Ohio State, but the difference was the shots were dropping against Drake. They weren't dropping against Ohio State. What this shell tells me is, is this offense is going to have a lot of open looks no matter who they play against. And I do think that, you know, in, in the end, that Ohio State loss, it's not going to hurt us. I mean, heck, we just uh, we're talking. I think Ohio State's up huge on Villanova currently, and we're recording this Wednesday they're, night. Most people here Thursday. Villanova right now. This, which, which is fantastic. I love hearing that. I think it just again shows that we have such a small sample size. We don't really know what this team can do. But every time we peel something back, it's more brighter and brighter and brighter. You go against Drake, who's a 12-point underdog that we were only a 12-point favorite against them. At halftime, we're up 19. This also shows that at one point we're up 12 to 5, I think, in the start of the game. And then uh, Drake comes back, takes the lead. Immediately, Javin comes down, drains a three. We take the lead. And then we go on a 19-0 run, or I think I think it was something like that. Uh, or maybe not 19-0 run, but 13. I think it was 13-0 run. Then we trade some baskets, and we went on another 9-0 run. We weren't scared. We weren't. We weren't. We were ready for that. I think this team has so much potential, and I, I will break it down. And the last thing I'm going to say on, well, we'll talk a little bit more, but I think this team needs three things to get the, the ball rolling moving forward. We need to get the big men a little bit more involved, which we can discuss. We need to continue to have these shots fall, and we need to get Jaron back into shape. I just noticed again uh, against Drake, he's just sort of hanging out on the side. He's not really too involved. His shot selection's a little lazy, even though they went in against Drake. He feels, I, I felt, and I, and I have it, like I said, I have an inside on the team that, that I text with, and I asked him, you know, what's going on with Jaron? And he just said that he's out of shape. But I asked him, is he upset with the offense? Does he not like the passing because he's not getting as much ISO? He said, that's not the case at all. He's just literally out of shape. So I'm hoping that that he can get back into shape very quickly, especially as we move forward. But what are your thoughts going forward? Well, and that's going to happen. I mean, he spent most of the summer and most of the training camp with a boot on his foot, unfortunately. So he's kind of a little bit behind in terms of, you know, learning this offense and working with some of the new guys and obviously getting himself into shape. So I think that's something that over the next month or two is just going to work itself out. Yeah, I got I'm on the same page as you. I was – Really encouraged coming out of that loss to Ohio State. I actually, so I think Ohio State is going to finish two or three in the Big Ten. I think very highly of them. I really like Kyle Young and Caleb Wesson, who both had really good games. I just, I think they're a very good team. And this wasn't the perfect situation for us. New coach, all these new players, new offense, Jaron coming off the injury and going on the road to face a top 20 team. We both did our predictions. I mean, we both had this pegged as a loss. So the loss isn't going to bother me. It's not going to discourage me. Thankfully, in basketball, you can lose a handful of games and still win a championship and still have a special season. But there was just a lot of things that I saw in this game that I that really encouraged me. I mean, when I watched last year, when we lost to Ohio State, I walked away from that game thinking, sheesh, like I don't think this is a bubble. I don't even know if this is a bubble team. Like I thought we were going to be bad after the Ohio State game last year. Uh, mm-hmm. After this game, I knew we were going to be a tournament team because you can just see it. You can see the concepts of Brandon's offense. You can see the ball movement. You can see the, the body movement. I mean, guys are moving around. 
We're used to, and I don't, I don't want to sit here and bash Mick, and I don't want to make this about Mick versus Brandon, but we're used to seeing guys hold the ball for 33, 34 seconds and then chuck at the last second, and guys, four guys just stand around the perimeter. You see people moving, you see everyone's getting involved, and look, this is a work in progress offense. Like we said, Jaron is coming off an injury, he's a little out of shape, and there's all these new guys. So to think that this is a very, very raw and rough offense, and they still hung around and lost by eight. They held them to 19 points at the half. Ohio State just scored 27 in the first eight minutes against Villanova. So Jeez. even more so today after seeing what Ohio State is doing tonight, I'm even more encouraged about the way that they played, despite the loss. No, 100%. I will say about the Mick and the offense and the difference. And I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but I remember Mo Egger talking about it. Um, he said that he was talking about um, UCLA in their first game, and I guess like the local Los Angeles Times or whatever did you know one of those little articles, and they said um, at some points the offense looked a little stagnant and unsure what to do, almost went more ISO than normal, and I had a chuckle at that. I'm like, well, that of course that's what you get when you get Mick Cronin, right? And we're not having that anymore. It's it's unbelievable, you know. It is we we. We, we've passed more of these last first two games in the last 13 years combined. So it's great. But I, yeah, I, I agree with you. The, the looks, um, the inside, the, the sets themselves. I mean, uh, the fact that I've never seen Keith Williams more involved in the offense than, I mean, he's absolutely, he's the one guy, him and, and Chris McNeil, every single time Chris gets that ball, I'm loving it because they clearly are the two, I feel like, that have gotten that offense quicker than anybody else. It, they just, cool. Are flowing much more. Well, I think right off the bat in the summer, Brandon said, like, if you could build a player for his offense, he said it was Keith Williams. Like, that's his yep. prototypical it's showing with the athleticism and his shooting ability. I mean, yeah, shoot the – he only took – he only hit one three. He only took one three against Drake. And I know he hit really half of our threes against Ohio State, <laughs> two of the four yeah. threes. So, shoot the ball. I mean, yeah, he's playing really well. And, I was going to ask, I mean, what do you think about McNeil? I, I'm thrilled with the way that he's playing. Uh, he's clearly a, a score, a shoot first point guard, but I like the way that he's playing. He's definitely grasped this offense really well early on. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's, he has come out and, and has become the leader already. Not saying that Jaron isn't, but I just, I watch him. I think the defense watches him. The tenacity, the effort he puts on both sides of the floor. I mean, I'm loving it. And I was a huge skeptic coming in. Um, I, again, somebody tweeted out weeks ago or before the even season started, come crunch time, who's your, who's your five? I didn't have him in my five. I was the biggest mistake I made because it clearly this guy needs to be in every play if he can, because he's the tenacity, like I said, is, is that I love it. It's, it's, it's palpable. And I, I think. If if the rest of the team sort of adapts and understands what Chris and Keith and Chris Vote himself is is starting to get the to get it a little bit, I uh, figured I I thought Trey Scott was a little lost um, against OSU. I feel like he had again, and it, it, it's it's shadows, it's it's old past memories of of the Mick Cronin where Jaron and Trey took shots that were a little questionable, and even John mentioned that saying, "Hey, you know those are open shots, but those aren't the shots that." We have looked at analytically and said we want you to take. Mick wouldn't have cared. I think the that the former the former Mick players have a little bit more adapting to do. But once they switch with that athleticism and their talent, 
man, I, I'm telling you, once we get into conference play, I'm not trying to be optimistic, too optimistic, but I, I love this team so much. <laughs> I just, I don't know what else to say about it. I just, I'm giddy about it. Really am. I don't, moving forward, I don't see a game where we cannot win. Let's just say that. And I would not have said that last year. You put any team in front of us and we're rolling. We have, I've seen what we can do. I've seen multiple plays, multiple sets where we are rolling. There ain't a team in the country that could beat us if we roll the way we can. That's all I'm saying. We have I, a team I, that has talent enough to do it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think if we play Ohio State in a month, we beat them, even in Columbus. Absolutely. I, just, I yeah. think we caught them. They're a very good team. I just think mm-hmm. it was a tough spot for us in the first game. So, I mean, comparable to that is we'll play Tennessee, we'll play Xavier. Xavier's going to be a top-20 team. I don't know if Tennessee's going to be ranked when we play them. We'll get Memphis. We'll see if Xavier's Those a top-20 are... team. As, as Cincinnati moves forward and moves down or moves up the rankings in Ken Palm, Xavier's slowly moving up. They're going, they're, they're, they're digressing. And I'm going to tell you right now, real quick, I don't know if you saw the Xavier Missouri game last night. That was one of the worst offensive performances I've ever seen. Xavier can't, Xavier cannot shoot. They can't shoot at all. It's wild right now. I don't know what's going on over there, but they've got some offensive issues major they got to fix. Yeah, but those are, I mean, those are games that we can win. Yep. Uh, and the schedule kind of lightens up a little bit now. I like that Drake win. I mean, Drake, like I said in the beginning, was a 24-win team last year. Yeah, they're Drake. They're in the Missouri Valley Conference. This isn't going to move the needle. You're not going to, you know, book flights. That, I don't even know what the Final Four is. You're not going to book flights at the Final Four because of it, but it's a good, solid win. And yep. I'm really encouraged, by the way, that this team shot the ball. Look, like you said, they, they had the looks. I mean, the offense was there against Ohio State. The shots just didn't fall. They fell against Drake. So what happens if they continue to fall? I mean, now you have Alabama A&M this week. Then I don't – what is this stupid thing called? The Virgin Islands Classic? The Virgin <laughs> Islands Paradise Jam? I don't know. We're Paradise Jam. Paradise Jam this year. I think Virgin Islands. The Bahama Mama. Whatever it is. It's on It's on Flow Hoops. I got to go – I think I bought it like two years ago. Wait, wait, wait. Stupid. It's on Flow Hoops? I've got to pay money for this? I saw somewhere. I don't know. I, I, I paid for Flow Hoops a couple of years ago. We were in one of those stupid tournaments. I, I hate this, these tournaments, but yeah, I mean, we should run through that tournament. Then we get UNLV in Vermont at home and then Xavier. So the schedule does set up nicely now. These are tougher teams than we're used to, but they're still teams that Cincinnati should be better than. By the time you get to December 7th, you hope that Cumberland is in shape and you hope that, you know, these freshmen, I love what I've seen from Harvey. Adam Adams Woods was really good against Drake. You hope that these guys are acclimated at that point and they're ready to go. 100%. Ken Palm changes his, and again, I'm a big Ken Palm guy. I always go to him. He's just my disciple, or he's my he's my my Lord and Savior. The game against Savior starting at the beginning of the year, UC was like a eight or nine point underdog. It is now moved to four points, and it will continue to get closer as that game comes on. We are now, we were at the beginning of the year projected 20 and eight. Ken Palm now has us only losing four games and he wow. still has us losing Xavier, but now he's got to lose us away at Memphis <laughs> and away at Houston. Other than that, he's got us winning every single game. And I'm, it's, it's, it's just, uh, it's showing what we're able to do. The offense is coming around. And I respect that. I mean, if, if you think we're going to lose to Xavier and Houston, I definitely respect those 
two losses. And Memphis, and Memphis. But yeah, yeah I mean, at I Memphis. Mean, I, yeah. I certainly respect those. There's nothing out of the ordinary there. You have to protect home court. You got to win all these games coming up. You got to go protect the, the Paradise Islands, whatever. And uh, yeah, I mean, the Tennessee, Iowa, and Xavier game, that's going to be a stretch run that's going to be really crucial to, to what this team can do. But I mean, what did you, real quick to kind of wrap up the basketball portion, I mean, what did you see from the Drake game that kind of has you really hyped up also. Um, just the fact, and we've talked about it, but the defense hasn't gone anywhere. I mean, they are that Drake, Drake, although missed a ton of shots, they didn't have really any clean shots. Um, and it was it, the, the effort. I mean, it just, this team clearly is excited to be out there. And I always felt like back in the Cronin eras, it would take a few games mainly because he would, only have us play Alabama A&M's for the first 15 games. It's hard to get excited, but, um, you could just feel a buzz when I was there. It's just, you could feel the buzz. People were excited. It's just, it's a different, it's a different kind of style. And, and, and the last thing I'll say, and I love this after the game, he's on Dan Horde. And, and I, I tweeted about this, but it's true. He's on Dan Horde and, we only outscored Drake by two points in the second half. Now we were up 19. We wound up winning by 21, but he's on and he says, and, and Dan's talking about him. He goes, well, you know, in the second half, you sort of put in the backups, put it on cruise control. And he said, I don't want to hear cruise control. I don't want to hear it. Yes. It's human nature to just sort of lollygag around and make sure you don't give up the lead. He goes, championship caliber teams do not suffice or do not um, go down to whatever human nature is. They continue to put their foot on the throttle and they continue to dominate right there shows you that this guy is ready to roll. He said, and the other thing he said is I look at one stat points per possession. And with that second half, our points per possession are going to go way down. They're going to not look as good as they should. And we got some work to do. I love it. I think this team is, is destined to do great things. I'm, I'm stoked. And I love the idea that there's work to do because you're coming off of a big win and you're, you're beating a good team. I think you learn more about yourself playing a team like Drake than you do against Alabama A&M. I don't know how much tape they're going to watch after the Alabama A&M game, unless, of course, something just goes horribly, horribly wrong. Uh, Alabama yeah. A&M, by the way, and Ken Palm is ranked 350th out of 353. And, folks, if you're doing your math, that means they are the fourth to last worst team in the entire country so yes yeah, so we're not going to learn anything from that <laughs> you learned something from beating drake and i think you said this earlier is that the new some of the old guys are kind of tentative to pick up the new offense and the new guys are jumping right in so you kind of blend in that keith williams trayvon scott defensive mentality with this new offense i mean i would love to I, as much as we all are happy that mick is gone you blend mix defense with Brandon's offense, I mean, you have a, a legitimate title contending team. Yeah. And Brandon says offense, or he says defense first, defense first. I don't think, let me just be very clear on this. I don't think the defense we were putting out is because of Mick. I think the defense we're putting out is because of Brandon. He's absolutely defense first, defense first, then offense will come and it's showing. Oh, absolutely. But I just think it's in these guys like DNA right now. It's in their mentality that they are defense first just because of everything that they did with Mick. I just think it's kind of in their blood at this point. Yep. I, I totally agree. Any final thoughts 
on basketball, or we'll segue over to, to football. Uh, no, just folks, uh, I will say, not that it's that big of a deal, it was kind of a crappy weather, but the stadium, we had, what, 10,000, I think it was 10,133, um, in attendance. It wasn't full, um, and not that it needs to be for these first games, but the second these games start to get, you know, exciting, I have season tickets, so I'll be at every game. Come out, support this team, support this coach, this is his first year, let's show, uh, this, the local city folks, let's, let's show what we can do to support an amazing team and a team that's going to hustle and try, um, their hardest for the city. So, you know, that, that was the only thing I, I think I wish it was opening night again at seven o'clock and it was terrible weather here. So I can't blame them, but come on out, folks. It's, it's, it's a fun, fun environment. But let's move on to the other attendance, uh, stadium and that is. Nippert and UC. Although we're away, we're at South Florida. What is going on in your thoughts with that? So I know you you had a whole piece on the history of US. Yeah, UF. I want to get yeah. into the history, but you you know you talked about the the attendance. I tweeted something the other day. Got a lot of engagements, a lot of interactions about you know don't spend your money on the Bengals. The Bengals are pathetic, and if you want to spend your money on something that's fun and I'm, I'm, a, I think a I live in a win, uh, yeah. The yeah, Bengals aren't good, right? I just want to make sure. They're not good, and they're not fun, okay. and they're not winning. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I just I got one response from someone who was like, "Oh, here we go again. That the, the same BS that we get every Sunday." And when he was confronted about it, basically his response was, "It's embarrassing to beg for support." And let me make this clear: I love my school. It is my school, and I am going to beg and plead until the day that I die. And I won't be embarrassed one ounce by asking people to spend their money on Cincinnati sports. So just to get that out of the way, I, I, I mean, I think they're going to get a sold out crowd against Temple. I think that'll be a rocking game in two weeks, uh, for senior night. And then, yeah. So for this week with South Florida, well, first, okay. So we haven't talked about football in a couple of weeks. That ECU game a couple of weeks ago is <sighs> a little scary. I don't really want to talk about it. I might have said a couple of words that the two-and-a-half-year-old has been repeating lately. No, that was I a weird will, game. I will say this. I legitimately might have shed a tear when Ahmad Gardner got that pick six. I would just – because when Ahmad Gardner got that pick six, I I just – I don't know. I, like, fainted. Because that pick and then the, the field goal by Krosa, it – it's not just a game-changing play. It's not just a season-changing play. It saved the program. I don't think this is, like, insane to say. If you Everything that Luke Fickle has built over the last two years, winning 20 of 23 games now since the start of last season, you'll lose all of it if you lose to ECU because you're probably not going to the Cotton Bowl. You may not win the AAC. You'll lose all of it. And that was literally a program-saving pick six i'm gonna say something i believe <laughs> one of two hosts it's either you or me predicted a pick said six that. in that game somebody said That's... that <laughs> yes um perfect time what... too <laughs> it uh i mean you, you nailed it i i never thought of it like that way but it's so true that was an absolute program saving play the entire game and what do we always say, though? We go back to it is 
good teams or great teams. This is a great team. Great teams find a way to win those games, and they found a way. And then last week isn't even worth really talking about, but I did write a great article about basically the future of UConn football and just sort of eviscerating the, the football program. Basically, I think the tweet that I had was along the lines of it's a waste of money, time, and oxygen for them to continue to play football. It, honestly, I, their best football programs are fine as is. I understand that, but they should be pouring all of their resources into men and women's basketball. You, it's always room for improvement. Improve the facilities more. Go charter some planes for recruiting. There's really no reason to keep playing football if they're not going to be in a conference. No, I mean, I, there's no reason why they don't just drop down and play with uh, Butler's D- Division Two football. And I don't, Nova, was, I, believe is I don't know two. why this was such a big deal. I don't know why UConn fans were were so snippy about this. This honestly, like, it's honestly for their betterment to to move yeah. down a level. Yeah, it's a big deal. They're a basketball school. When I think of Connecticut, I don't think of their football school. One hundred percent. So this week we play at South Florida. Tampa Bay gives me nightmares. You mentioned it before. I wrote about the kind of the history of Cincinnati, Cincinnati against South Florida, and the recent history in Tampa is not good. We've lost the last three. 2015, I think, was one of the worst nights of my life. I don't know where you were and if you remember all the details. I think I remember every pathetic play. It was 51-3 to at halftime, and I was just – I think I was just laughing. I mean, I wasn't even upset at that point. It was just like, it's funny. Like, how is this happening? How is this real life that we're down 51 to 3 on national TV? Yeah, I don't remember where I was that game. I remember the game. Um, I, but I, I saw that you said something you watched, or you just said to you watched every single play. I mean, what a saint. Cause I did not. I, I it's turned one of those it off. things. It's like <laughs> you're watching like a car wreck and you feel bad. You want to turn away. But at the same time, it's funny. It was entertaining. I don't know. It was the yep. first time. It was one of the very few times that I've ever been like genuinely just embarrassed and ashamed to be a Cincinnati fan. It was just a really bad night. But I do not think that that will be the case on Saturday. USF's been a weird team. I, I thought they would be really good this year. I didn't know they rolled out a new offensive coordinator and a lot of guys returning. And then they were flat in their opener. They lost 49 nothing to Wisconsin. They lost to Georgia Tech, who's the worst team in the ACC. They did beat BYU, who's a weird team, and they they beat ECU right before – they kind of blew out ECU on the road right before ECU went on this ridiculous offensive tear the last two weeks. Yeah. Um. I just – I mean, they put up seven last week against them, but I don't really know what to make of them. I honestly haven't watched them a ton. I know that they have a good running back in Jordan Cronkite and Jordan McLeod at quarterback, but, I mean, what are your expectations for Saturday? Well, I think it's a, you know, you just go when you get the W. I think UC's a, what, 14 point favorite. I read an article yeah. about how, uh, USF is, is basically, I think, set last, second to last in, in first quarter points. Um, they're just on the struggle bus. And, and unfortunately, and then I read another article about how, how Charlie yeah. Strong should get fired. He won't get fired because they can't afford to fire him. <laughs> I saw and that. And they're just, they're just in an absolute, it's basically like, what it said was, um, you've got rent to pay for, or you got food, you you got money to pay for food and your rent, um, but then you've also got this real clunker of a car. So do you get a nice new car and did not pay your food or rent, or just deal with the clunker for a few years? And they literally were describing him as a clunker car, and I'm like, ah, poor, <laughs> and poor it's Mr. Funny Strong. 
And it's funny, when I tweeted out the, the link to this article, the USF guys from SB Nation yeah. were responding, and a lot of the USF fans just responded politely, and they're like, please crush us. Like, put us out of our misery <laughs> so we can fire Charlie. Like, they want us to beat them badly. They yeah. want to move on from Charlie Strong. They're, they're, I've seen the comparisons that Charlie Strong is basically their Tuberville. So, and quite honestly, at this point, with the group of five and with the lack of respect, I mean, I want to see USF good. I want to see them in the top 25 or close close to the top of the standing. So, yeah, I mean, if that means firing Charlie Strong and blowing them out on Saturday, then, then sure, whatever it takes to win on Saturday. But I'm all for them being good for sure. I just – playing on the road scares me. And you mentioned that they suck in the first quarter. Obviously, we have to start off strong. The Marshall game was impressive. But other than that, I mean, have we ever played a good – like from start to finish, a good road game. No, like, not ever? this year. No, other than <laughs> Marshall, but but even even in the last few years, no, not at all. I, I you know, I think it comes down to Ritter. We I, we're what twelve or what nine games into the season, and we keep saying, well, once Ritter gets in his his rhythm, he he needs to already be here. And I'm a little worried about some of his past, you know, selections. Um, I'm a worried again, and I tweeted out, we, how many third and shorts are we going to have, you know, these 45 yard fade routes? I mean, just get the first down and keep moving. Um, so, you know, I don't really, I honestly don't have a ton to think about with this game. I'm just literally just get the W and move on because these next two games afterwards are a lot tough. So just do what you got to do. Yeah, no, I mean, that's been my attitude for weeks now. I mean, really, since we beat UCF, I don't care. I know that people are upset about we barely beat Tulsa, obviously, the ECU, Magic. I mean, just win. I don't care if it's a yep. – if, if it stresses me out and almost kills me, then so be it. I mean, just get the win and move on. At this point, really, nothing matters. Style points don't matter. Nope. Um, just if, if, if we went out, the next realistically four games were in the Cotton Bowl. So – by all means necessary, just win the game. We'll come home for a homecoming. That the Temple game scares the hell out of me because I think they've beaten us like four in a row. That we they own us. They we for some reason we just always struggle with Temple. They're just a feisty team. So yeah. that game scares me. I'm glad that it's at home. I, I know they haven't announced the time yet. Hopefully it's at night uh, so that Nippert is really truly rocking. And then I don't know. We'll play Memphis. I'm really upset about that Memphis game. I really, I guess it doesn't matter now moving forward because they're going to eliminate divisions. I just wish that the conference had enough foresight to only play teams within your division that last week so you don't risk repeating games in back-to-back weeks. I'm really, really scared of potentially playing them in Memphis and beating them and then kind of showing our cards and then losing the next week. So walk me through this, if I'm not mistaken. The the championship game is at the home stadium of the the AAC champ team that has the best record, right? Correct. All right. So if let's just pretend let's do two different scenarios. We 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 we're gonna play Memphis, and then we're gonna play Memphis again, most likely no matter what. If we we beat Memphis, we play at Nippert, which is great. If we lose to Memphis, we literally will play them again in the exact same stadium back-to-back weeks. Am I understanding that correctly? I believe so. That is bizarre. And whoever thought of this is just – I don't know. I just – you never hear in college football 
playing the same opponent back-to-back weeks in the same stadium. Because if Memphis beats us, then they would have the home court advantage, the home field advantage, and we play there again. So it's just, it's weird. It's odd. And then we got to play them back-to-back. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know what to make of that. It's bizarre. It's weird. Um, and then I also saw, and I, maybe you posted it or somebody where, let's just say we lose to Memphis, um, in, in the first game, and then we beat Memphis in the second game. We probably won't make the Cotton Bowl, or if we did, maybe not. We could possibly play in the Liberty Bowl, which is in Memphis Stadium. So you could play three yeah, games I, in the exact same stadium. That's just so weird to me. I don't, I mean, I don't see that happening. I think the thing is if we play three games in the, in their stadium, it means we lost the last game. I'm not sure that we would make the Liberty Bowl at that point because we would have three losses. So yeah. maybe SMU or, or a Navy would, would get that bid and we would kind of tumble down the thing and just win. God damn it, just win because every time I look at the ball projections, it just makes me so anxious because yeah, the bowl games really, really suck. I mean, if we're not, it's like Cotton Bowl or Gasparilla Bowl. And I think <laughs> UCF is going to be the team that learns this the most because right now I saw in most places they're projected to play in like the Cure Bowl, which is in Orlando against Liberty. So. Mm. That's a pretty big fall from going from back-to-back Peach Bowls and Fiesta Bowls to the Cure Bowl, which is for a great cause. Uh, it's an awesome bowl game. It's all about breast cancer, but I don't think that's what UCF aspires for. I don't think it's what any AAC team aspires for to be able to play Liberty in a December 20th bowl game. No, no. You went out. Um, it's going to be interesting. That, that I'm still, like, my mind boggling on the Memphis, but, um, I would talk about the temple. Yeah. I mean, temples had our number. Um, you know, I haven't dove too much into temple stats or the, the team itself, but, um, I just think that if, if somehow we can get that night game, I, that almost gives us an extra three or four points just to, just in general, just with the, you know, the ruckus crowd. So, um, you went out and we see what happens after that, but it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a wild ride. And, and I kind of looked at it sort of as, honestly, we're kind of in like, quote unquote March Madness tournament, right? So we've got South Florida. Well, even UConn, UConn was a 16 seed, right? We're, we're one and then we're playing like an eight or a nine in, in South Florida. And then we get into those four or five, you know, kind of range with Temple where they can knock off the one seed and then it's one versus two with Memphis. And so it's, we are in the playoffs right now. We are in the tournament, and it's, it's survive and advance, baby. Just keep moving, keep going, and uh you never know. We could be playing a huge opponent here in January. And two things worth noting. If we beat Memphis, because they already do have a conference loss, SMU plays Navy in two weeks. So whoever wins that game, if we beat Memphis, that team will actually win the, will win the West. So, so, uh, so redo this again. All right, so, so we beat right Memphis. Now, so Memphis, SMU, and Navy all have one loss. SMU is going to play Navy in two weeks. The loser of that game is is done. So yep. we play Memphis in three weeks. If we beat Memphis and they have two losses and SMU or Navy have one, the West is theirs. So there's still a pretty strong possibility, I would say, that we would play any one of SMU, Navy, or Memphis. Okay, that's good to know. I didn't realize that. I thought Memphis. I didn't realize Memphis had a loss. Okay, and that I makes me feel SM, a little bit. Lost to Temple. Uh, it was actually a really oh, fluky, that's right. controversial. That's 
right. ridiculously stupid game. They they should be undefeated right now. It came to a, a if not mis- it was a catch, right? Whether it was like an interception or a catch or something, it was right before yeah, the Houston was, game. It was a ridiculously fluky play. Uh, yeah. They totally got screwed. They should be nine and zero right now. But yeah, I mean, it, I want I personally want to play SMU because. Their offense is explosive, but I trust our defense, even despite what happened against CCU. I still trust our defense to step up in a big spot. And I think our offense could put up a lot more points against SMU's defense. Memphis has a really good defense, and they it, I, they kind of worry me a little bit on that side of the ball. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We'll just keep winning out. We'll see what happens. Uh, any chance we get some sort of – Primetime or anything game against Memphis, you think? Probably not game day because they were already in Memphis, but. Well, that's the, that's Friday after Thanksgiving. I don't. Oh, know that's the-, the Memphis game is the Friday. Okay. Do you mean it's seven o'clock? I'm assuming. I don't know the whole schedule for that day. They haven't, I guess they'll announce the time on Monday most likely because it'll be two weeks before. It's, I mean, I think it's going to be like the 730 ABC game because I think it's probably the game with the most stakes that day. Yeah. It could be at noon on ABC also. I mean, I think either way it'll be like a prime ABC game, whether it's at noon, 3.37. I know, I just said three different times. But whatever time it is, I think it'll uh, for sure be on ABC. So we'll see what happens. we got three games to go. you got to take it one at a time. you got to go win at USF for the first time since 2011. Shout out to Zach Kolaris. Next week, special episode for Senior Night. A lot of key seniors, guys like Perry Young, Brian Wright, Josiah DeGuara, Scott and I are going to share our memories. A couple of thoughts on each player, a couple of big memories that we have of being at the games, of watching the games. So that'll be fun. And then, of course, uh, our Paradise Jam. Is that what it's called? I, I'm joking. I know what it's called at this point, but I just, I'm so angry. I just Our Bahama Mama preview. I just want to play in a real tournament. Like, why can't we be in the battle for Atlantis or Maui? Like, why the Virgin Islands, the Paradise Jam? Like, nobody cares about this stuff. And I know that this is the old coaches doing. We're already in a big tournament next year. We're in the preseason NIT. I'm, that's yeah, in my backyard. So I'm fired up. And actually, that's in my backyard. Paradise Jam, senior night. We'll break it all down next week. And hopefully we're breaking it down coming off of a couple more wins. Thank you all for listening.